Hello, I'm Nina Baxter. And I'm Joe Thompson. And welcome to Rich Pickings. So, Joe, today is a very special day because we have a friend with us. And um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our friend, Dan. Dan Lobb is a garden designer and has uh, an amazing background, actually, in fine art. Dan is also a sculptor. Um, And all of that is wonderful. He's also an RHS show judge with us. So that's kind of how we know him. But all that is brilliant enough. But the reason that we're talking to Dan today is because Dan is also a druid. Which is totally and utterly brilliant, like a real proper in real life druid. And so, Dan, thank you so much for coming to talk to us today. Hello, you're welcome. Nice to be with you. (laughs) Oh, it's lovely. We're so excited about about talking to you because um, as we approach or in fact, we're on the the summer solstice or nearly around the summer solstice. Should I say that for everybody, we are are actually recording this the day before Midsummer's Eve? Yes, let's be let's be upfront. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Dan, are you on your way to Stonehenge? Uh, not Stonehenge, but I'm going to go to Butser Hill in the morning, uh, meeting there at three o'clock and we're uh, processing up the hill. Uh, so they, um, that's my early start tomorrow. Oh, that's, that's... that's 3 a.m. I'm just going to double check. That's 3 a.m. You'll be processing up the hill. Yes, that's right. And we're going to uh, the Druid order that I'm a member of. We're, we're going to lead a ceremony on top of the hill uh, to welcome in the, the morning sun. That's amazing. Oh, that, it's I'm, so exciting, isn't it? That's given me a little tingle just hearing that, just imagining it. Because I say, so hang on, where where is Butser Hill? Where is that Hampshire? No. Yeah, Hampshire. It's the Queen Elizabeth Country Park. There's a public ceremony there. Um, some people are going to be. Uh, it's like a pilgrimage walk to get to the hill before that point in the morning from wow. uh, other places, and then we're going to meet at the base of the hill and, and process to the top. So there'll be drumming and um, sort of sound to help us get to the top. And then when we're on the top, we'll form a circle and have a ceremony there. And I think so anybody can join. Is that right? Or do you have to be a member of the the group? No, anybody can join. Yeah, that's very exciting. And so so tell me, because obviously I know that your work and, you know, that you're doing garden design and landscape design and sculpture, um, it's you're very, very the environment is very important to you. You know, everything is eco-driven. Is that what, um, is that sort of, you know, what led you to become a Druid? What which came first? What, what, how did it come about? Um, yeah, the environment, that eco-driven thing, and that's always been at the forefront of my mind. Um, and I live fairly close to Stonehenge. Um, right. So in the late nineties, when they sort of opened up the this monument again to the public, um, I started going to the public ceremonies there. Um, on the equinoxes and and solstices yeah and um have gone there for many many years now and so that was a sort of introduction to druidry as a as a practice as a thing um and I suppose over the last maybe 10 years I've sort of taken it a bit more seriously and and become a member of the order and and go to more regular uh, rituals and ceremonies um I suppose I find it really useful the the connection and that forced pause in a way the sort of moment in the year um we meet every six weeks and we celebrate the season we're in and think about what's coming next and what's been before and uh give celebration and thanks for where we are really that is i think everybody could do with could do with that more i mean i I think if we all connected a little bit more 
back to the land and nature and i think i think society would be in a better state do you think that's true yeah definitely definitely it's uh it's, you know particularly somewhere like stonehenge you know i go there for all the other um ceremonies uh not not some um lately it's just so busy uh it's yeah. just quite hectic yeah. and uh, it's a different <laughs> mindset in a way which is fantastic you know it's a real party um but i guess what we'll be doing tomorrow <laughs> morning is a little bit more sedate um but uh yeah and did I you have just... to sorry but did you have to you know take exams how did you how did you qualify yeah so um there's various orders or sort of organizations uh around druidry uh, in the uk um i'm a member of obod which is the order of uh bards ovates and druids okay um and they have quite a, a really detailed um program of study um to become a member so I'm still in the Bardic grade, which is the first grade, and I have been for probably eight years or so. Um, wow. Children came along and life's become a bit hectic. <laughs> so it's the sort of thing you need to be in the right headspace to to study. But I'm almost through that part of the course. And then there's a, another stage after that. And then finally, the Druid uh, grade at the end. So I think if you do it quickly, it probably takes three years. Um, and you have a, a sort of mentor as well to help you through and to who asks questions of you before you move on to the next stage. Um, but it's really detailed and thorough, the, the study that goes into it. Um, as I say, although I've been sort of practising for many years, I'm still at the beginning of that study. Um, and I'm looking, as you talk, I'm just looking at um, druidry.org, which I think is the OBOD, is that the OBOD? website and looking at what is a bard and it says in ancient times the bards were keep were the keepers of tradition of the memory of the tribe they were the custodians of the sacredness of the word and as you're talking Dan beforehand I was thinking now I'm thinking something that's probably going to get it's going to take me a long time to kind of get round to the point of it but I it's almost like well no it's not almost like these things the the things that you look at and celebrate and the, the you know the word that you 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 hold and you, and you you um you know you're you, you're the custodian of the sacredness of this word these are all things that people knew thousands of years ago and when i say things i don't quite know what things i'm talking about but but there is you know there's a whole lot of knowledge which i think we seem to have forgotten in the pursuit the pursuit of explainable science and I mean I see this slightly differently I see it as an example in gardens where I go to I'll go to gardens and there'll be 19th century extraordinary extraordinary kind of water harvesting systems that, that were put in in Victorian Edwardian times that have just been lost over you can see around about 1960 or 70 everybody just thought oh we'll connect to the mains instead let's do that you know and just get it and get it and get it and and everything's easy and and I'm kind of why am I trying to equate this it's the same it's almost like you know there was all that knowledge which was lost and I feel I feel the same in in a lot of the things that I've started to find out about what 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 druids did and believed and celebrated and what they were for, you know, I suppose. Do you kind of see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's that sort of uh yeah, sort of archetypal knowledge or the sort of connection to the land particularly. I think that with um you know our work in, in gardens and the landscape, that connection to the soil and the just witnessing the growth and the the with the solstice 
um, that peak of growth, you know, the longest day and the the lushness that's all around and celebrating that, being aware of that and that abundance that happens. It's sort of magic, really. Um, mm. it, it can be easy to take it for granted because it just happens all the time everywhere. But it's um, a truly incredible thing that we're part of and yeah. that we are connected to. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, with the practice of Druidry, I, I find that a great humbling experience. And being somewhere like Stonehenge, if you're stood under the stones there, you feel physically small. And to think of all those people who've been stood in that spot at that time on that day, mm-hmm. back through those thousands of years, it's incredible. It's yeah. truly humbling. And I think that's a really helpful way to feel sometimes, you know, just to remember your place in the world in that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. But I think also, Joe, I know what you mean exactly, because I was talking to somebody the other day about the fact that we call you know, we talk about gardening organically or growing things organically, but actually that's just growing things. That's just how it was. And uh, organic is now a term we use, which is a, a, a strange thing. But in fact, it's actually the thing that we did that, that that before we started introducing chemicals and pesticides and ways of growing crops really quickly. So, you know, talking about what we've lost and the knowledge and we're kind of just about starting to to regain some of that now aren't we mm-hmm. um, and and i think um dan's word you know use, using the word humbling is really is really interesting and also it's it's um i think i think it's exciting that so many people now you know you say um dan it's probably standing room only at stonehenge now that that's an extra that must be humbling again for you to see that change over the years where I remember as a child you know there might be a there there might be a glimpse of a few sort of druids on the news including what what was the name of the 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 famous the the sort of there was one man was that a pendragon there there was somebody who who would often be on the news or on the telly or am I am I imagining it anyway but it was and forgive me I'm not being rude but it was sort of made out that druids were basically it was sort of like mad bonkers wizards really which is a completely different thing to what it is which is essentially I'd imagine this some you know centered around this wheel of the year the fact that we have you have the shortest day and the longest day and you celebrate that and you you hang on to the the hope that each of the as the days get longer there's hope and as the days get shorter you still know that there's hope at the end of that because they're going to get longer again so so Dan we know what you're going to be doing for the solstice um and so so how many people are there in your your particular group how many people do you expect to turn up tomorrow the particular grove i'm a member of it's the um sylvan grove we're called uh we meet okay we just explain what the grove is is yeah so the grove is is a regional it's the grove is a regional group um of druids so i'm based in hampshire and the grove i meet uh we meet down in the new forest generally so we all come from different different parts and we meet somewhere near burley in in the woods um and we get together there's probably maybe up to 40 members 50 members of the grove um usually you know two-thirds of us will be there for for each ceremony but sometimes it differs depending on time of year and all ages we've got people in their 80s 90s um the youngest is probably late teens 20s so it's a lovely mix across the ages and and genders um and we meet generally in the forest um in a clearing um and again the forest is a beautiful place to be to witness that seasonal change um and feel the time of year that we're in we meet every six weeks so we meet on the solstices the equinoxes and what's known as the cross quarters so the midpoints in between 
So previously, before the summer solstice, we've just had Beltane, which uh, a May Day, and mm-hmm. uh, and so we we meet at those cross points as well. And there'll be a ceremony um, which usually has a reference to gods or goddesses, um, and they're used by way of storytelling and narrating the season that we're in. Characters will be used to enliven or to in, envisage uh, what's happening. Um, I should can say anybody that, talk? I mean, can anybody kind of, you know, do be part of the ceremony? Are you yes. going to do something tomorrow? Yes. So um, okay. with uh, Obod, we have a sort of pre-planned ceremony and we'll all take, we'll all draw which part we're going to be before the ceremony. And then we, we do then, um, I guess, perform the ceremony, but it's with a, a written script. So it's quite formal in that way. Um, towards the end of the ceremony, there's an open part. Uh, known as an Eisteddfod, where uh, anybody can come forward with a poem or a reading or some just a thought about that particular season. And then we close the ceremony quite formally at the end as well. Um, that sounds fantastic. And if I wanted if I wanted to join a grove then, how would I how would I start? What would I do? So yeah, if you're interested, um I can bring you along as a guest. Uh, you can come along for up to three times. <laughs> that sounds very I'm good. Going. I am definitely going. Go. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on it now. I'm, I'm already looking at what I need to do to become a bard. It looks like quite a lot of hard work, but, it but, is. but fascinating work yeah. as well. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So anyone can come along as a guest and see if it suits them. If they're, if, if what they think it's going to be is what it is, um, and then after that time, uh, you're asked to become a member of the, the, the group and. Um, yeah, just come as regularly as you can, really. It's um, it's um, the twenty first. Tomorrow is my dad's birthday. It's always my dad's birthday on solstice, so I never get to kind of go and do anything because I'm always seeing my dad. Um, but I should, I'm, you know, if there are sort of people who are over eighty, I, I might try and get him along. It'd be fantastic. I've actually, funnily enough, I have a, a photograph of my dad. I think it must have been in the sixties. Must have been in the sixties because he's sitting on Stonehenge, like you know, or leaning against one of the rocks when it was just open to anybody and they didn't uh they didn't stop anyone from going there and it's quite it's quite an odd picture because it's just an old black and white picture of him on his own leaning next to the stones and um yeah it's quite funny so so we might bring him along joe yeah, should we do it should we do yeah. it yeah oh yeah seriously and we you know we are being serious because the, the there is a lot you know there is a huge connection basically i'm repeating what dan's already said between what we do as you know work working with with the land with the landscape and so so Dan is there a tree alphabet am I right in thinking that yes that's right there's the um tree olcum it's uh an alphabet of all the different trees and we have different symbols for each tree and there's an underlying energy of of each tree species um which is reflected in the characteristics of that tree it may be how it grows or how long it grows for or if it's a pioneer species and the different trees have different energies um so we can work with the spirit of that tree in a way um and take learning um from that so for example oak would be strength solidity that's something like that for example yes Just, yeah. yes and yeah. and birch you know being one of the first species to grow the pioneer species is fast growing you know yeah. and it, it yeah. then dies fairly young and provides nutrients in the soil and helps the mycelial network you know grow and which and in turn helps other trees it's a sort of nurse tree so yeah. which which again is all you know so this is all knowledge that 
that was held that that and and has got forgotten and is is being rediscovered again the um and i'm just i've just read here and i think i knew this anyway so druid actually is from the word for oak so there we go uh well it says, actually, I'm just reading from the website again, it says some modern scholars agree with the classical Roman and Greek authors that the most likely derivation for Druid is from the word for oak combi combined with the Indo-European root weed to know, giving their translation of the word Druid as one with knowledge of the oak, a wise person of the oak. It's brilliant. Wow. And so the tell me, when I when I told a few people that I was going to talk to you, um, one of them said to me, Get him to talk about White Spring at Glastonbury. Hmm. Does that mean something? In that, in which case, can you tell us what it is? Yeah, <laughs> so I know a little. Um, we often visit Glastonbury as a as a family, um, and there's the the White Spring, um, and then there's the the Red Spring just over the road, opposite um, at the Chalice Well, and the White Spring um, comes out at the base of the tour, um, and from well, drinking the water, you know, it's it's beautiful. Uh, you can go and collect the water from the springs there. And uh, to have those two water sources quite close to each other, but completely different uh, quality of water. The red spring has lots of iron um, okay. and the white spring doesn't. So it's a very different taste. Um, and I don't think I know enough to uh, they... tell you. Yeah, there are. They... I, I want to know if they bestow magical powers on you and if so, they what do. those powers are. I think it's something about the um, there's sort of uh, uh, stories of, of dragons, you know, within the landscape there. And it's something about the qualities of those. Okay. And at this particular point, the two springs mix and meet. So the, the qualities are combined. We usually collect the spring water there and, and mix the two together to have you know both of those benefits. But I'm sorry, I don't know. Off the, I can have you, have you noticed that have you, when you've drunk it, what has happened? You, I think you can feel when you drink spring water, I think you can feel. I can certainly feel the energy, the the difference, as it in and when it's in your body. Um, I often visit uh, Mottisfont Abbey. Um, oh yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, roses, I'm sure you'll lovely. be familiar there with the beautiful rose garden. Yeah, there. absolutely. Uh, we were there last week, and um, you know, enjoying the rose garden one evening. And when I'm there, I always go and have a little drink from the the incredible font, the spring that's there. Oh wow! And you can feel the sort of it's the chill of the water as it first comes out the ground, that coldness. But I think it's alive. You know, you can feel that the qualities, the specialness of that untainted uh, natural yeah. spring water. It's a beautiful thing. But it must contain the most incredible mixture of minerals. And, mm. you know, so that must be something that is empowering. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the, so the other question, I have another question from somebody that asked me this, is that, um, so is your group connected with the current Arthur Pendragon? And if you know anything about Arthur Pendragon, is it true that he is one of the only people in the country who is allowed to carry a sword? Is that right? Uh, uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. He, he uses the sword for, um, what would you say? Um, yeah, sort of not more knighting people, I guess, you know, bringing, making people a member of, of his order. Um, so, yeah, there is a connection. Um, he, he is a member of the order and he has his own, as I described about the group I'm a member of, the Sylvan Grove, he he runs another group, um, and he's um, yeah he lives uh, in Salisbury, so he is uh, you know nearby Stonehenge and is is often there. Um, he's a real campaigner. Uh, he's a great one for uh, championing the uh, the voice of the ancestors there. So thinking about people who've been there before and whose remains are maybe there and protecting them. 
and he's been a great campaigner against the proposed road scheme there which would uh, you know cut yeah. through that ancient landscape yeah, yeah. at each end yeah. um uh, so yeah, and he, he he always has his sword with him. Um, which and is, is he his, um, is he some sort of descendant? I mean, is he a descendant, or is is this a title that gets bestowed on somebody because of you know they have been a, a you know top of the order, or is that is that how it works? Is that... My understanding is that it, he's been through the the training and he's met, mm. spent many many years um, you know learning the ways and becoming wise, uh, and has sort of gained that title over yeah. over that time. Yes. I mean that's incredible, isn't it? So and and is he so he's sort of King Druid, kind of King of the Druids? Uh, yeah, I guess so. One of there's there's a, yeah. a another chap there, um, Rollo. He's he's the Arch Druid of Stonehenge. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so cool. yeah, but it's a small world, you know. Uh, there are different <laughs> orders that come together, particularly at Stonehenge. There's lots of people because it's such a special place. You know, we sort of mix together there and and get together. Mm. Is it is it a sort of primarily British? Do you, are there people from other like European countries. Um, yes, it's glo- global actually. So okay. um, yeah, the the order I'm a, I'm a member of is a global organisation, and uh, often there are meetings on Zoom now. You know, uh, <laughs> we have sort of Zoom online druidry. Yeah, it. there there is a few there are a few things on YouTube of sort of uh, ceremonies at different times of the year that it, people can just join in with, and there's often Excellent. you know a, a meditation segment, and you light your own candle wherever you are and become part of that. So. It's global and becoming more so, I think. I mean, the, the roots in this country and our sort of Celtic history and past, um, and then the sort of revival that's happened over the last few centuries, um, it's not an unbroken uh, tradition. You know, there, there was a break in that time, but it's, yeah, yeah now reinterpreted and uh, becoming more and more popular, I think, as people discover you know, what it can offer. Can I, um, I just want to go back to the the sword and Nina you said one of the few people that is allowed to carry a sword do you who when you say al- allowed to by whom is that under sort of British law or druid I think, law I think or? it's British law I mean I think you can carry a sword at certain times if you're a knight of the realm but I think only at ceremonies right um so I think probably the jury you know Arthur Pendragon is allowed to carry a sword around as well i don't think there are many people you can't walk down the street with a sword unless no, you're no, so I, I guess <laughs> i think i'm i am i'm am, i'm intrigued by that as you can tell yeah so i need to find out a little bit more about that that is pretty fantastic so glastonbury we've got glastonbury stonehenge avebury i haven't been to avebury but i would like to go to avebury is that another is that another sort of special site? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You'd love it. Yeah, you should go and visit. It's beautiful. Oh, and yeah, uh, the yeah. scale of the landscape works there. You know, the sort of stone circle around the village and the earthwork around that. And then the link to Silbury oh. Hill just down the road and the avenue of stones that lead in that direction. It's a whole landscape that's been manipulated to make it into a ceremonial space. It's quite wow. incredible. There's the I, scale I, of endeavour there. I went there a while back and um, I'm my husband and I are really great fans of Julian Cope. And I think he's very connected with it. And I saw him walking down the road. He's a huge man. I mean, he's so tall. 
and I saw him in Avebury and I thought it was, that was the most exciting moment. But I think, and he did a, an amazing book, The Gazetteer, of all these special sites that you can go and visit. Obviously you need an, the book and you need an ordnance survey map. But Matt and I spent a while, Matt's my husband, spent a while visiting some of these sites that you can kind of only get to with these special instructions. And it was, it was a quite a magical time, actually. And um, the Rollwright Stones is another one that I loved. And um, I have a friend who had their their wedding there or the marriage though some you know their ceremony there so but did you so where did you have your wedding ceremony as a druid and I mean you know where where was that then yes so um about 12 years ago now uh, myself and my wife uh, had our ceremony at Stonehenge we were there for the um spring equinox and uh the arch druid Rollo there um they call it hand fasting so we had a ribbon tying our hands together and there's a cauldron of flowers in the in the middle of the stone circle there. And he, he said some words and then we had our hands tied and jumped over the cauldron of flowers together and everybody wow. cheers. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's a lovely thing. So, yeah, we had our, our wedding there. And then also as our children were born, our firstborn, uh, we took him there when he was four weeks old for the winter solstice. <gasps> and he was named there. So I had him wrapped up all swaddled oh. and I've got it a bit. And, Did- did you hold him up like in the yes. Lion King? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. Like <laughs> Tucked him back in again pretty quickly. It was a little bit chilly, but um, it was lovely. You know, again, Rollo shouted out his name and everybody three cheers. And so he was oh. named. And we did the same with our, our second son as well. We took him there. He was a little bit older and that was a, um autumn equinox one year. But yeah, it's a lovely thing. Lovely thing to be Do part of. Do you get a druid name as well as your Um name? You can uh, take a druid name. Um when Have you I got one? No, I became initiated and, and kept my own name. Um, some people take on a, a druid name um, and it can be something to do with their family or a connection to a place or an ancestor. Um, I didn't do that as yet. I may do in the future, but at the moment I sort of kept it simple in that way and just kept my own name. Yeah. Yeah. That's Joe, what would your druid name be if you had one, if you took one on? Um. I don't, uh, the only names that are coming to me are, are, are names from Asterix. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah. But... <laughs> well, that's because I visited Park Asterix very recently and I told oh, yeah, you about that's, it. That's, that's another story. <laughs> but um, I think, no, I tell you uh, what, I just, there is um, an ancestor, I don't know how many, say around about the 1500s, the surname was um, one of my, the yeah, so great 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 grandfather whatever was was greater x which i thought was a brilliant surname oh that is that's yeah. a really good surname and sounds fairly i don't know if that's got does it need to or like you said Dan, it can be anything to be yeah sounds sort of celtic what yeah. would you what, yeah okay that would be me i'd be so i have to have to think about my first name though nina what would you be have you got something well i don't know i mean my ancestors are from persia i'm not sure i don't know nice kind of like little Persian druid fusion going on, yeah. probably. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah. But anyway, but <laughs> it it's it really is a, you know, the more we talk about, the more tingly it 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 is, and and beautiful. And I keep going back to the idea. It's kind of common sense. It's sort of fundamental, isn't it? It's the, I know I've said it before a million times that this 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 week, but it is it's going back to that common sense and what we knew and getting that knowledge back. And I love the fact that more and more and more and more people are are open to it. If Judy, if you could sort of think of something that people will gain one well one thing from Judy, and people people should get involved because of that. 
what would that one thing be? Would it be would it be what you've been talking about that remembering our place, and and I and I suppose is it is it a comforting thing because actually you you almost you sort of pull out you know like a microscope you pull out and you see the big big picture and you see that you're just this tiny speck and that almost that's kind of a comforting feeling. So I'm putting yeah. words in your mouth here. Sorry, you tell no, me. No, you've, you've done a good job. <laughs> <laughs> see, Absolutely. I'm on my way to being a bard. Yeah. <laughs> it's um it is that it's that connection and it is that um i think that's that's what i get from it that connection to place connection to time it's you know we live a busy life um some of us quite urban and disconnected from those natural um cycles that are happening all around so to have that just an opportunity to go into nature and to feel that with like-minded people you know you meet some brilliant people um the robes are interesting you know we all wear the white robe um, and the reason for that is that it's a unifier. We're all then equal. There's no hierarchy. Mm. There's no hierarchy between us as druids, but also as living beings, there's no hierarchy. We're equal to all the other creatures. And oh. that's a lovely uh, mentality to remember as well, I think. That is lovely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and yeah, no, that, that really is lovely. I think we, we need to, to start understanding that a bit more. Can I just ask you one thing that's completely unconnected then to Druidry? Because we sort of ask people who come on the show to tell us if they could pick somebody who you would be more. We sort of stopped talking about it recently because Joe just keeps talking about Simon Le Bon and we we need to move on from Simon Le Bon, basically. But so, but Dan, let me ask you, if you could think of somebody who we should all be more, who would that be? That's a tricky question, and uh, I'm trying to think. The green man springs to mind. Can it be a <gasps> oh, mythical creature? Of course, it can be a mythical creatures? creature. Yes, so yes. I've always been drawn to, to the green man, that image of uh, us and the greater nature, that combination. Um, and I think that the sort of embodiment of that spirit, and I've run a few classes with um, school children over the years making green man masks uh, from fallen leaves in autumn um, at, at various uh, gardens. And the process of putting on a mask and smelling the leaves and and taking on that character, I think it's quite a powerful thing. And it's that sense of connection and oneness. Again, I think that's a really it, useful thing. Is it a good, is it innately good? Or is there some sort of kind of fear about the fact that he's, he's quite a powerful, it's a powerful spirit, isn't it? So yeah. Incredible power there, and and some of those images of the green man, you know, from old uh, the convents in yeah. churches, yeah, really quite quite scary. But I guess that's nature, you know. I, where I am here in Hampshire, we had an incredible storm last night. The water just fell out of the sky, and yeah. there's floods around this morning, and debris everywhere. And it's a powerful thing, you know, these sort of forces of nature. So I think to be reminded of that's fine, and so to be uh, humbled by that is is useful as well. I think. Um, that's such a good point that that is a really that's a brilliant brilliant idea of who we should be more I totally agree with you oh Dan well thank you so much for joining us it's been completely fascinating and I for one I think I for one definitely want to find out more about it I really do and I think Joe and I are going to come and join oh you. yeah same here yes there's going to be um, I'm not going to let Nina do it without me so we'll <laughs> be are you allowed to take two guests at the same yeah time? absolutely you'd be oh, very brilliant. welcome yeah. I, I can't pretend that at three o'clock this morning I'm going to be awake for um but 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 when I wake up I will think about you and yes. um and your procession up the hill and I wish you the clear skies and um calm weather for it. Thank you. 
Me too. (laughs) Oh, have a wonderful time, Dan. Happy midsummer. Thank you. And to you. Happy solstice. (laughs) (laughs) And happy solstice to all our listeners. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, Joe and I will be back soon with more Rich Pickings.